Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. By way of introduction, um, a little background um, to me and the den, and then how we normally do these Just Breathe Wisdom and Wellness classes. Um, so just briefly, Adair Drucker, I'm the Executive Director and Community Rabbi for the Den Collective, or lovingly known as the Den. Um, basically, we build intentional communities uh, with 20s and 30s throughout D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia. Um, since the onset of COVID, that window has opened. Um, there are people from across the country joining us and also across demographic ages joining us for certain programming. Um, the focus of the DEN is that we're co-creating a Judaism that is relevant and accessible and really deeply rooted in tradition um, with members in our community. Everything starts with a one-to-one conversation. And when we get to know individuals and their stories, they will say, these are my interests. These are the things I want to learn more about. And so all the programs that you now see listed on our website are all manifestations of those conversations. So, and so some of those programs might end in a month and something else will start because we're constantly in touch with people in the community to find out what is live for them, what they need, what they're searching for. And that's how everything that we do um, gets started. Um, we really believe in this space of um, building a space where there's radical inclusivity and welcoming, um, spaces of meaning, invite people to be their full selves. We really celebrate vulnerability in our community um, where people can really deepen their connection to Judaism in a way where they're doing it on their terms. <clears throat> um, we learn, we celebrate, um, especially with COVID, um, the idea of really feeling a sense of belonging, of being seen and accepted for who you are, um, that you are part of a community. Um, and the over 750 people who connect themselves to this community have never all been in one space because they're micro communities. People go to the things that interest them, um, but they all do feel like they're part of um, this larger community. And that's been really um, a beautiful thing to see, especially during this crisis. So this class, Just Breathe, uh, Wisdom and Wellness, uh, was launched in the middle of March um, in response to the pandemic. Um, and basically, it was a response to several things. One was people wanted a space to check in and to connect where they could also learn and deepen their wisdom of the Jewish tradition um, in a place that spoke to the feelings that they were experiencing during this uncertain time, fear, anxiety, um, how to be more self-compassionate during this time, and what is the wisdom that our Jewish tradition has. The other piece um, was there were a number of people who were immersing themselves in different mindfulness circles with yoga and meditation that weren't necessarily in Jewish context. And we're asking um, for spaces where they could do that with the language of their tradition. Um, the third piece is I was deepening my own mindfulness practice. And um, a couple months prior to the pandemic, um, went to a week-long silent meditation with Orha Levin Pardes and really discovered a lot of beautiful resources um, that I've been really calling on during this moment in our world um, and have been able to really utilize this in community and people who normally would not call themselves meditators or people who lean towards mindfulness, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, have been very hungry for a space where what does Judaism say about this moment and, and how can my lived experience um, be um, you know, held within my tradition? 
So um, tonight, what we're going to do is very similar to what I do every time we do a Just Breathe on Sunday evenings, is I open with a teaching. It could be framed from the Dvar Torah, from the portion of the week. It could be framed um, from something within Musar or Hasidut, anything within um, the well of our Jewish tradition. Um, And that teaching, the theme of that teaching guides us through a guided meditation that I lead for about 15 minutes. Um, and then we close with some chanting. So this is basically a text study, um, but it's a text study where you're really being aware of what's coming up for you as well, which I think is how we're meant to read text. It's not just like reading it like you read a book, like we are having a conversation, right? Our Mefarshim, our commentators had conversations with the text. That's how Rashi came up with all his great questions. He was saying like, this doesn't resonate for me, or this is awesome, or what is this word doing here, right? And so that's what we're supposed to be doing too. So I want to clarify a couple terms um, that might be used um, and recognizing that we can have people here who are first-time text studiers or who are first-time meditators. Um, and it's everyone is welcome, no experience necessary. <clears throat> we will do this together. So the word mindfulness has been used a lot over the last several years, and it's like this big buzzword, and I really want to explain how we use it in this context. Mindfulness is not about living in a constant state of zen, of equanimity, of always being mentally calm. The way that we are focusing on mindfulness in this class is about being more awake to ourselves, to what is true for each of us in the moment, and thinking about what is going on for us in our inner world, right? Often we're a lot in our head, the past, the future, thinking, 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 ruminating. It's to stop and kind of rest into our body and say, What's, what am I feeling right now? Um, calm, excited, anxious, happy, and to just, or several of those at the same time, and to just be aware of that as we go through our day. And so meditation, um, I know I'll speak for myself before I got more into my practice. I was imagining people on a cushion, you know, sitting there. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know. I pray, but that felt too far out for me. Um, And the truth of the matter is some do it on a cushion, some do it on a chair. Uh, You can meditate in the shower. The, The idea of meditation is just like being very aware of the present moment, which by the way, is what it means to be a Jew. You pray because you're about to say a blessing about the food you're about to eat, right? You wake up in the morning and you say, Modeani, thank you, God, for restoring my soul. Like there's a there's an awareness of like what's happening right now. And so meditation is not just for immediate comfort or to quiet our racing minds. Like those are all benefits. But meditation really is about um, the practice of being present And that word practice, often you'll hear like meditation practice, yoga practice, prayer practice, being a human being practice, like our entire life is every moment is practice. And so if we can think about it, that meditation is a practice of being present, right? Like right now, of learning to be comfortable with silence, which for many of us, that's really hard myself included, right? Because that's when the stuff comes up. So when we're busy emailing or Netflixing or talking, but to stop and just be in the silence with ourselves and to see what arises, I think it allows us to better focus on our life's purpose and enables us to pursue living a life of meaning. So that's the framework, the vessel, the clee that we're going to have this class tonight. 
So I'm going to put a link um, to the Shure, um, the study sheet I created here. Um, I'm not going to press return just yet because I want to frame something before you look at the text. Everyone, I promise I will. I'm just not going to press return just yet. So I want to frame what the Torah that we're going to learn tonight. And then I promise I'll give you source sheets and we're going to do some Chavruta learning and we're going to come back together. So basically the two concepts I want to focus on tonight, we're less than two weeks away from Rosh Hashanah in the middle of Elul. No, no stress for the people writing sermons. Transformation and renewal. So just for a moment, and if it helps you to close your eyes as I'm speaking, or if you want to take notes, whatever works for you, but really hold these two concepts, transformation and renewal. We often put those terms together in a sentence. They are part and parcel of this moment in our calendar, right, in this season of Elul. And before going into our text, I want to break down what these two concepts actually are, because they look like they can contradict each other, but they actually go together beautifully. So transformation is a metamorphosis, right? A change in form. What was is no longer. What is is different than what was before, right? It's a change. Renewal is the idea of making something the way it was, like a return. So one could argue these two are opposite concepts. One is like A now became B, and the other is I'm going back to what I was, to what I was before. And I actually want to see them as coexisting in the concept of teshuva. When we make teshuva, when we are making a return to our inner essence, it's often used as repentance. I'm not thrilled with that term, so I'm going to re-up this. Teshuva is to, is to return. So what are we returning to when we're making teshuva? A return to our inner essence, a deeper connection with self, with God, with our kehillah, with our community, Right? It's clearing away the clutter and remembering who we are at our core. So in many ways, the idea of renewal is making something the way it was. However, knowing we can never go back to that exact same origin. Like by virtue, by virtue of our being human beings, we are impacted and we grow and we change as a result of our experiences. So that's where transformation comes in. We are changing in form and as we're evolving, we're striving for that initial essence, but at the same time, we're becoming something new. I almost feel like there's like two different colored lines like moving together, right? So I'm not going back to my being an infant. That, that's impossible. But maybe this concept of like when I was born into this world, there was an inner essence that wasn't impacted by, um, you know, rejection and, you know, critique and self-talk that's not positive, right? That all comes later. But what's the inner essence of when we came into this world, right? I look at my daughters, they're four and six. And, you know, especially in their first one or two years of life, I feel like they would run in the park with like their arms open, like belly first. And I feel like that to me is how we all were when we came into this world. Like the idea of fear and the idea of all these things that inhibit the things that we want come later as a result of life. And that's fine. But what does it mean to go back to that like openness and that curiosity and that excitement or whatever it is that you feel like is your inner essence? So we're going to look at a couple texts tonight that focus on Teshuvah in this framework and asking the question of how do we renew ourselves 
in a way where we are being present to where we are now, right? This is all about mindfulness is being present, but also recognizing that we are doing that by being impacted by our past experiences, which has to do with the past. And sometimes even thinking about the future. How do we do all of that, this transformation renewal, without getting lost in the past or even getting caught up in the future? How can we remain present in the renewal experience, in our teshuva experience? And in the case of the three texts we're going to look at, the rabbis are constantly using the language of, so we can fully serve God. And so whether whatever your theology is, we're going to use that framework. And I invite you to just be open to that because I'm going to break down what that can actually look like for us. What does it mean that we're serving God? So the question that they're going to be holding for us is what does this mean as we're making Teshuvah, as in making a renewal of how we look at ourselves in the present, recognizing that there is a past and a future, but how do we, how do we do this whole endeavor while also trying to remain in the moment? So let's look at the first text together. Um, tell me if you can see this link. Try and open that up. I can share screen, but then I can't see your faces as easily. So see if you can open that up. And if you can't, like raise your hand and I'll share screen. And I'm looking at both pages of people to see if anyone can't see it. I'm getting a thumbs up from Diana. Hey, you're good. Good. Julie. Hey, Julie. Okay, good. We're getting thumbs up. That's a good thing. Okay. If there's an issue, let Rabbi Schatz know. She'll take care of it. (laughs) Okay. So, okay, here we go. So, okay. Oh, that's very sweet. Okay. So many of you may have heard Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, um, right? 1772 to 1810. He has a lot of beautiful works. Um, One of my favorites is in my house. I won the last um, volume at the Yeshiva book sale at YCT during my last year. I was the the woman in jeans and a t-shirt jumping up and down (laughs) in Chavavay Torah's book sale saying, I got the last Likute Moran. I was very excited. Okay, I'm nerding out. So anyways, let's do Likute Moran. What is it? This is a collection of Rabbi Nachman's formal lessons. He is the the creator of Breslov, the Hasidut movement. Basically, um, the first part, there are two parts, Likutei Moran. The first part was printed while he was alive and the second part after his death. And what I want us to do is take a moment on your own. This one you'll do on your own. The third one I'll do in Chavruta. So just take a moment, read it on your own, and I'll walk you through it briefly. So I'm going to read through this out loud. So from Likutei Moran, section 272, He's, comment, he's making commentary on the Psalm 95.7, today if you heed God's voice. So what does he say to us? He says, this is an important rule in the service of God. One should focus only on today. And now a little background, just so you know, Rabbi Nachman suffered, we think, of depression. And so it's interesting to hear his teachings through that lens. And it applies to all of us, but I just want to add that piece. One should focus only on today, he says, Whether with regard to his livelihood and personal needs, he should not think about one day to the next, as is brought in the holy books, or with regard to his serving God, he should not consider anything beyond this day and this moment. So here he's talking about mindfulness, in essence, before we had that word. For when a person wants to enter the service of God, right, to pray to God, to fulfill commandments, it seems to her a heavy burden. She cannot possibly bear such a heavy load. 
However, when a person considers that she has only that day to deal with, she will find it no burden at all, right? This is for a lot of us who are thinking about large projects at work and that often will procrastinate. Why are we procrastinating? Because it feels overwhelming. There's a fear in us. We like self-sabotage because or we're trying to protect ourselves from like not doing well or whatever the fear is. And when you say like, let's just start with page one, I can do page one, right? That's what he's saying. When a person wants to enter the service of God, if they're holding all the events of yesterday and all the events of tomorrow, it's too much. But can I do this moment in front of me right now? Yes. And then he says, in addition, a person should not procrastinate from one day to the next saying, I'll start tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll pray more attentively with the right enthusiasm, right? The procrastination piece is right there in front of us, he says. And likewise for the other devotions, right? Because the instinct of a person to hold everything is overwhelmedness. Often that's when we procrastinate. So he beats you to the punch and says, do not procrastinate. Don't say you'll start tomorrow. Why? And then in bold here, I put it for a person's world consists only of the present day and the moment. Tomorrow is a different world entirely. And if you think about, I know for a lot of people, they said, you know, people are making plans. They were going to get married this month. They were going to move to this other city. All these things were going to happen. We had no idea a pandemic was in front of us. And I think it really, I think we all know life is uncertain on certain levels. We all know we can only plan so much, you never know. But I think this moment has maybe raised for a lot of us. We really can't plan. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It's like a very strong reminder. So hold that first piece by Rabbi Nachman. And now we're going to, they're all going to come together, I promise. Take this ride with me. We're going to go into the next text. Um, with us from Sichot Haran, also Rabbi Nachman, um, and the Sichot are conversations. So literally conversations of Rabbi Nachman. This is a rich source um, of really clever thought and inspiration. It's a compilation of insightful conversations and teachings and insight from Rabbi Nachman during his life outside his official Torah sessions. So imagine following around your favorite rabbi. It's one thing to be in their learning session, but then to see how they're living their life in the in-between spaces and the wisdom that comes out of that, that's what this collection is. Um, so there are incidents and stories of Rabbi Nachman and different parables. And Sichot Aran was written by Rabbi Nasson, who actually we're going to read a prayer by him at the end. Um, Rabbi Nasson Sternhartz of Nimrav, um, he was Rabbi Nachman's main disciple. So he spent a lot of time with him and he put these writings together. So I'm going to do this one together with you. Sichot Aran, there's the Hebrew there for those who would like but for all purposes, we'll do English. He says, in the world at large, forgetting is seen as a significant deficiency. However, in my eyes, there is something greatly beneficial in forgetting. So this is what he's saying. It's good to forget, he says, which is not really traditionally what we think about. We want to remember everything. Why? Because if it were not for forgetting, it would be impossible to serve God. If a person were to remember all that happened in the past, she would not be able to dedicate herself to the service of God, the blessed one at all. Why? In the second paragraph, he says, all the things that have happened to a person in the past may confuse him. But now, by virtue of the process of forgetting, 
what has occurred is forgotten and all that which transpired is gone completely and a person does not return to these things in his mind, or he stays in the present. Then he does not confuse himself by thinking about these things, like ruminating, right? The things that have happened in the past. Thus, the matter of forgetting is really good advice in the service of God because a person has many confused and muddled thoughts in his mind based on what has happened in the past and doesn't allow him to be in the moment. He goes on to say, this is especially true at the time of prayer, right? There's a lot of focus on prayer. And again, I'm going to get to that more later. So he says, this is especially true at the time of prayer. Why all the confusions and muddled thoughts come to her and they depress her in the past when she's thinking about what happened. And this is true in business as well. And in household affairs and the like, what happens? A person may think she didn't act well. She should have done such and such instead, right? Regrets, rumination, processing. And at times of serving God through Torah prayer, thoughts about the past will confuse a person. And because all she will think about is how she previously did not act properly before God. Therefore, forgetting is very good advice. Because as soon as the events and the thoughts of the past are gone and disappear from one's mind, then one will no longer be caught up in those thoughts. So understand well, forgetting is a very good thing. So I'm going to ask you to put the sheet aside for a second. If you can see um, my face, I'm going to break this down a little bit. So the, the refrain is forgetting is a very good thing. It's good advice. And I want to offer right now that it's not so black and white. So being completely in the moment all the time is not humanly possible. It's not. It's why we call this a practice. If it was the opposite, we'd be practicing remembering the past, but we do that plenty. It's about being present, right? Our tendencies to live in the past or the future, right? Planning, because again, it's all about protecting ourselves. If we plan, then we won't fall in that pit because we're planning ahead. The practice is about this muscle, right? Like the gym, we're working the muscle of trying to be right now in this moment, right? How often... We're like out taking a walk with a friend, having ice cream, and we're thinking about the project we need to do at work the next day instead of like being and being like, this ice cream is delicious. I'm loving this conversation. Like that's right. That's what we're trying to do. So this forgetting is good advice is complicated. And this is what I want to offer. In holding this idea of teshuva again and the importance of our tradition, we talk about making cheshbona nefesh, right? That we're taking a soul inventory in this season, Right. What are the missteps I made? What's been serving me well? What hasn't? We're we're doing that as we're preparing for the new year. So as we're reflecting on our past actions, there's actually an aspect of being in the present that we can work with. Our awareness of the feelings and emotions that come up for us when we catch ourselves thinking in the past or the future. It's bad to think in the past or future. What's bad is when we stay there. And we're dwelling there and we're, and we're like life is passing us. So the idea is like, fine, you're going to catch yourself being in the past or thinking about the future. And the present moment practice is to say, what, what feeling is coming up for me as I'm processing that meeting where I really actually felt angry at the way my boss spoke to me? Or what feeling am I having as I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know what event fill in the blank, what's happening in your life that you've been thinking about in the future. I don't know, coronavirus, right? We're worried about the future. 
right? This uncertainty, what feeling is coming up for me? Anxiety, right? Sadness. And to just be aware of what's coming up because the thoughts really are a trigger to what's actually happening inside. The thought is like the flag. And then we have to see like, what's at the base of the flag? Why did the flag go up? Because this is what I'm feeling inside. And that is a really wonderful anchor to bring us into the present moment, right? I'm feeling hurt and to sit with that. And we're going to practice that in our meditation or I'm feeling fearful and to not fight it, right? It's scary right now. Coronavirus. No, no one alive has ever dealt with this before. This is terrifying. And to just to hold that that's what our experience is right now, if that's what we're feeling. So our practice in that moment, right, is to leave the head and to come back to the heart or to the soul. And that it's like an accordion because our mind is a computer. It's constantly processing the past, the future, the present. But what does it mean to like catch ourselves and say like, what's going on for me right now? Okay. So now we're going to go to um, text three in Chavruta. So I feel like I gave you a little bit of the mindfulness piece, a little bit of the Teshuvah piece, some good Rabbi Nachman. So you're going to take all of that into your random Chavruta, which is our study pairs. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to look at text three together for a couple moments, maybe volunteer to read out loud or just quietly and just share what's coming up for you in text three. And then we'll come back together in a couple of minutes. So, um, so this text, um, Likutei Tfilot, Likutei's collection, so collection of prayers, Tfilot, um, and these are co- a collection of personal prayers composed by Reb Nassan of Breslov, who I mentioned before, leading pupil of Rebbe Nachman. Um, and it's made up of two parts, and there are 210 prayers collectively. Um, and the concept of like why Rebbe Nassan created these beautiful reflections, these prayers, is because his teacher, Rabbi Nachman, taught that as well as reciting the mandatory daily prayer services contained in the Siddur and the prayer book, we should supplement them with our own individual prayers. And I feel like that gets forgotten a lot. What a beautiful concept. Like the liturgy in our Siddurim are very important, right? This is like our collective language, especially when you don't know what to say and you're like, I'm standing here before you. I do not know where we begin. It's beautiful that we have the Mabea, the collected prayers of our tradition, but what Rabbi Nachman says is we also have to come up, up with our own prayers to supplement. So in the Kudet Tefillah, Rabbi Nassan made his personal prayers available to us to use at our discretion in the course of our own sessions of private prayer. And I felt like this prayer really speaks to this moment of renewal, transformation, um, and Elul. So um, <clears throat> what I want to offer, actually, I just want to ask, I know there's like 27 people here, but does anyone want to just share briefly a reflection, something that they found comforting, surprising, agreed, didn't agree, just like something that came up for you. And really brief, just because I'm looking at the clock. Normally we do this in Chavruta, but let's just see if anyone has anything they want to share before we continue. Don't be shy. Uh, Not to say much about my past, but it involves 12-step, and it's very much like one day at a time. Mm. Powerful. Yes. Thank you so much. Any other thoughts? It's really hard to do. Yes. Really hard. The mind just mm-hmm. keeps going. Yep. That's why it's a practice. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Beautiful. So kind I see that he says, um, as if I 
was just born? How much time has he spent with the one-day-old? Are one-day-olds thinking about the service of God? That seems really strange to me. Mm. So what I'm going to offer right now, just because of time, if you have more comments, please, if you go under everyone under chat, you can write them in. I'm going to keep on going just because I know I have till 10 and I want to honor that. Um, so I want to share a few reflections based on um, what some people said and a few other pieces. Um, specifically from the piece where he says, let me not look and think about anything other than today and this hour and this precise moment in which I'm standing in such a way that I will truly be able to serve you completely with simplicity and perfection. It's a big word without any confused thoughts or fears or heaviness or laziness. It's a lot. These are lofty goals. So I want to introduce the concept of uh, radical acceptance, which basically means and for those of you who might just read class, this is going to be a little bit of a review. Um, this concept that you are acknowledging reality. What does that mean? You're acknowledging what happened or what's currently happening. So we might fight reality by judging a situation, right? So it's very possible. Just think about one big frustration aside from the fact that like people are ill and dying and this is really a crisis in the world. But for a lot of us, there are also smaller things that have happened on the scale of right life and death, but that are still hard, right? For those of us with children, our children are not in school. For those of us who had a wedding coming up, we didn't have the 250 people in the ballroom like we dreamed of or whatever different events that this pandemic has impacted our lives. Often what we do, which is human nature, we fight reality by judging a situation. What does that look like? It shouldn't be this way. This isn't fair. Why is this happening to us? Right? Those phrases, which are really natural, are coming actually from a place of judging the situation. Fighting reality creates suffering. And the teaching of radical acceptance is pain is inevitable in life. No one promised a pain-free life. Suffering, the teachers say, is optional. And suffering is what happens when we refuse to accept that there's pain in our lives. And that's hard, right? Sitting there and saying, this is really hard. And maybe even crying as you're actually owning how hard this is right now for you or whatever has happened in your life prior to COVID, right? But this is a very good example because we're living it right now. Radical acceptance is saying like, I'm feeling really sad and scared right now and not rejecting those feelings or saying they're wrong or pushing them away. So the idea actually um, so there's a mental health therapist, Sherry Van Dyke, and she explains if you don't like something, you first have to accept that it is the way it is before you can try to change it, right? And, and especially like someone mentioned a 12-step program, right? You have to accept the way it is before change can happen. If you're not accepting something, you'll be so busy fighting that reality that you won't have the energy to put towards trying to change it, which is, means being in the present. Right? So fighting the reality, that's not fair. Why me? It shouldn't be this way. That's like living in the past or the future, right? It shouldn't be this way, or it's, it should have been this way. Being in the present is saying, this is what I feel right now. And this sucks or fill in the blank for something more eloquent, but right? Like saying, I am sad right now. I am frustrated. I am angry. I am happy, whatever it is, but recognizing I'm going to accept like radically, radically accept and not judge the moment, which is hard. So 
so often our emotions like arise within us and we try our hardest to rationalize and especially the difficult ones to push them away because they don't feel good. No one wants to feel depressed or sad or upset. So radical acceptance attempts to drop the narrative behind the feeling and actually to let them in. And so what does it mean to accept what it, what is in our life so we can make true renewal? So if we're looking at today and we're observing in a gentle way, non-judgmental, then we allow what's to arise in that way that we are truly praying. So here's how this comes into the service of God that I want to kind of wrap this in a bow and then we'll do a brief meditation together. The text repeats to stand in the service of God. So what's the Hebrew for prayer? Lehit palel, right? To pray. But actually what does lehit palel really literally mean? It's a reflexive word. It means to re-examine oneself. So prayer is not like a one directional act. I am praying to God, boom, right? Arrow. When we are awake to what we are experiencing inside, that is when we are most present to ourselves and by default to the divine. Like our prayer experience should really be a result of our inner world. Um, There's this beautiful Christian theologian who talks about the idea that prayer is broken down to three categories. Please, thank you, and wow. Right? Think about the categories, right? Please heal my family member. Thank you for the birth of my child. Wow, that rainbow is incredible, right? These are the categories of prayer, but prayer really coming from our heart and from our soul is true prayer. If we like are in touch with our heart and our soul, like what are we feeling right now? So in being present, then we can really be full and vibrant in our prayer life and in the rest of our life. And then tying it back to what we're about to do in two weeks in the Unatana Tokif, right? This is one of the main pieces of liturgy for the high holidays, right? There's a repeated phrase, teshuvat, filat, staka, right? Repentance or return, prayer and righteousness will avert, right? The severe decree. But through the text that we study tonight and the conversation we're having, I want to offer in making teshuva, it's not about we do Teshuvah and Tefillah and Stekah, and then we check off those boxes and God says, ah, you're going to live this year because you did those things. No, I'm offering, we do those things in a real way so we can go on living in a full and vibrant way. Like we're enabling full and vibrant lives. It's not this payment system. If I do this, then this. It's the idea that if I'm really being honest with what I'm feeling, then I can make a teshuvah that's real. Then my prayer will come from an authentic place and not just me reading words off a page. And that's the beautiful piece that Rabbi Nachman says. That's our supplemental, a personal prayer. So in practicing teshuvah, our tradition is actually guiding us this season that we do this personal inventory, cheshbon nefesh, And the inventory in essence means that in order to move forward, we need to review the past year to just be aware of like, as we review the past, What's coming up for us in the moment? As I think about that event where I didn't behave so well, what's coming up for me? Maybe frustration. And just to be aware of that so I can like act differently if that situation were to arise again. And so when we are being present and we're viewing the past, the future, like all these things are part of us, but I want to offer it that the present is like the anchor and there's like a string with a balloon. It's going to go to the past. 
and it's going to go to the future, but what can we do? Each of us will have a different answer. What can we do to bring ourselves to that anchor and say, where am I right now? And the nuance of this is we need to learn from the past to reflect and to integrate lessons so we can continue to move forward and live each day. But I think the challenge is to not dwell in the past or the future and to try and like live in the moment. So in this concept of being present to what we are feeling, um, the awareness of recognizing that these feelings come and go, a friend of mine talks about this idea of like being at the beach where I think Rebecca is right now. Um, When you see the waves come and go, um, the same is as our feelings, right? So often our feelings are so consuming, especially the difficult ones. Um, Our thoughts have us feel like this, I am sad. I am depressed. And I want to offer the language of sadness is I'm feeling sad right now, or I'm feeling sadness and joy, which by the way, has been happening all through COVID for me. I'm sad for so many reasons. And I'm joyful because like I get to spend more time with my kids and we're doing some really intentional stuff as a family and with my community. But I'm sad because this is a really horrific situation. I've been holding these two really opposite feelings together in many moments. And what does it mean to just name that we have a complex inner world? If you haven't seen Inside Out, the Pixar film, I highly recommend it. Right, I think it's a beautiful description of this. Like all those emotions exist in us and there's different moments where different combinations of them come up. And what does it mean to just be aware and say like, oh, look what's coming up for me right now. And I think that awareness is actually reduces the suffering tremendously. So I'm going to invite you to, if you're not seated comfortably, to get comfortable. And I'm going to also invite, if you, this is your first time doing this, um, to trust me, because I think it could really be a beautiful experience. And if you want to, you know, close your eyes, I invite you to do that. If you're not an eyes closer, um, then I would, um, or close eye or whatever, I would put, I would just gaze downwards. So you're not looking at yourself or the screen during the meditation. I will have my eyes open because I need to guide you. Um, but I will invite everyone to close your eyes or to look downward. And to give yourself permission for the next 10 minutes that you just have nowhere else to be but here. And to just take a deep, intentional breath. And as you're breathing, really envision that you are filling up your lungs. And then slowly exhale. As you're breathing, really envision almost like a balloon. As you're filling up your lungs, it's slowly filling. And if you want to gently place your hand on your belly as you breathe, that's fine too. And just really focus. Allow your, the anchor is your breath. Just feel the air maybe going in your nostrils as you inhale. And then exhaling either out your nose or out your mouth. And just really have awareness for this act that we do all the time. Sometimes we're not even aware of it, just breathing. And as you settle into your seat, perhaps you need to roll your shoulders back. 
Can you, wherever you're feeling, maybe a little discomfort, just send some love there as you're breathing. And gently place your hands in your lap. They can either be holding each other or just gently place your palms on the tops of your thighs, wherever you're sitting, just so you feel like you can physically let go. And if a thought comes up that takes you away from this moment, just gently say to yourself, the phrase I like to say is, and now, right? What am I doing now? Just lovingly, no judgment, just bring yourself back to this moment. On your next breath, I'm going to invite you to ponder this question. What is the teshuva, the return, one piece that you need or want to make in this coming year? Right, A lot might come up for you, but just usually the first one or one that you feel strongly about. What is something that you want to work on that's a return maybe to a piece that you feel is part of your inner essence that maybe you've moved away from part of your personality that you want to soften or strengthen just one piece that you want to lead with your tissue this year. Maybe it's uh, to be more playful or to be more calm. Maybe you have an artistic peace in you that you feel like you haven't been able to exercise and you want this to be the year where you do that more. Or maybe you just want to experience spaciousness. Any one of those, something else, choose one that's really speaking to you. You don't have to, you're not going to say this out loud to anybody. This is just for you. Just take a couple of breaths to really land on this one piece to start holding it as you're breathing. By the way, as you're breathing, just be aware. Are you clenching your jaw? Is there any tension anywhere? Just try and let that go as you're going through this exercise. On your next in-breath, I'm going to invite you to think about what would it look like for this aspect of teshuvah that you've focused on in order for it to become manifest, right? A year from now, we were to join together and you'd say, I did this. What would it look like for the aspect you addressed to become manifest in this year? What would it look like in your life? And as you are breathing and thinking about what this would look like, just be very gentle with yourself, right? This isn't time to say like, oh, that's not going to happen, right? We're, we're just being in the place of possibility right now. What would it look like for the aspect of Teshuvah that you're focusing on to become manifest in this coming year in 5781? Maybe it means you're painting, or maybe it means you're playing music on Thursday nights, or maybe it means you're meditating, or you're riding your bike more, or being more gentle to yourself, 
whatever the aspect is, what does it actually look like on the ground? On your next in-breath, we're going to move into part of a RAIN meditation. I've made a hybrid tonight for you. The R of RAIN is for recognize. And I want you to be aware of any emotions or feelings that are coming up for you as you're envisioning working towards this aspect you've identified. Right? You've named this aspect for yourself. You start to think about how it would manifest. What's actually coming up for you in your body right now when you think about it? It could be a distinct emotion, like I'm feeling excited or I'm feeling overwhelmed. Or in some cases, as you're breathing, it could manifest as a physical emotion. Like maybe you're like, whoa, my shoulders just got tense or my, my chest feels a little tight. So just be aware of what's happening for you right now. It may be a very clear feeling. You're like, whoa, I know exactly what I'm feeling. Or there might be a physical sensation, in which case I would breathe into that. And often the physical sensation is tied to an emotion. So when I'm feeling sad about something or anxious, I often get hot and tight feeling around my chest. Or some people, when they get nervous, they get a little right tightness in their shoulder. So just you're totally being an investigator right now. Just observing as you breathe what's coming up for you in your body, in your feelings. On your next in-breath, if you've been able to identify a feeling, maybe there's excitement around the aspect you want to work towards. In some cases, when I did this exercise for myself before, there was an excitement and then I felt overwhelmed by, can I actually do it? Like I really wanted it and then I got overwhelmed and worried that would I really be able to make it manifest? So just be aware, like what feelings are coming up for you? And the next piece of rain is A for acceptance. And that means staying with the emotion that's come up. So if it's excitement or if it's anxiety, whatever the main feeling was that was prominent for you when you were starting to think about making this teshuva move, this aspect, use your breath as your anchor and just say, okay, this is what I'm feeling right now. And it literally looks like inviting a friend to sit with you. You say um, being friendly with your emotions, right? Recognizing this is the feeling. Okay, you're here. Like to not push it away or to judge it, but say this feeling is showing up for me. It's, it's what I'm feeling right now and to try and be embracing of it. And you can use, if it's comfortable for you, sometimes people like to use a gentle touch of the hand on the area where they're feeling, if they're feeling tightness in the chest, for example, or to even just feel the warmth and the sensation of your hand 
and your skin can be very helpful to ground you in this practice as you're breathing. And you can literally say to your emotion, right? I see you, you can stay here. You don't have to leave. Like this is what I'm feeling right now. We try to soften any resistance you might be experiencing. And as we transition to the eye of inquiry, I'm going to invite you to take a deep breath. And slowly exhale. And just as your eyes are closed, just inquire to yourself. What is behind the emotion I've identified? And you don't have to rush to answer. You're purely opening yourself up. It's kind of like an archaeological dig. You're just digging gently to see what else can I find. So for example, if the feeling was, you know, anxiety around making this aspect of teshuva come to be in this coming year, even if there's excitement around it, but anxiety, let's say, is, is being more present for you right now, maybe to ask yourself, like, why am I anxious? Right? What's, what's, what am I anxious about? What's behind that feeling? Right? It's always tied to something. Are you concerned about something? Like, just try and help yourself get to the core of why that feeling came up when you were thinking about this piece that you want to work on in the coming year. You don't have to rush to answer. Just let it sit in your consciousness. On your next in-breath, we move to the last step of RAIN meditation, which is the N for nourish. And you know, when you do this on your own, you could take longer with each. But I'm trying to get us through this together this evening. Nourish means you've done this work and you've identified an emotion, especially if it's a difficult one. You've been sitting with it. You've allowed it to be there. You've even dug in to be like, what's behind it? But now you ask yourself, what can I do for myself right now? to take care of me, of this emotion? How can I take care of myself feeling this emotion? So if you are feeling anxious or sad, whatever emotion that you've identified related to this aspect, the question is, how can I be gentle and kind to myself? And sometimes it's really a matter of just saying, you know, either you want to use your name or if there's a Sometimes people say, sweetie, whatever works for you, just like you would if a child came to you and said, I'm feeling anxious about, you know, this thing I'm about to do. Or I'm feeling sad. How would you, how would you speak to that child? Probably do it really lovingly and say, oh, sweetheart, you know what? It's normal to feel that way. This is hard. I, I see how you're feeling. You know, it's going to be okay. This is hard right now. Or it's scary to not know what's going to be. Just the way you'd speak to a child or to a loved one is really how we want to practice speaking to ourselves. And it might feel strange, but it's actually so beautiful, the idea that we can give that so easily to others, we should really also try and give it to ourselves. So nourishment in this practice looks like saying, 
yeah, I'm really worried about, you know, that this is, this seems too hard for me this year. I really want this to be, and I'm worried about it. And to just like love yourself in that and just recognize it. Wow. I must really want this. This is hard. And that's being kind and gentle and validating what you're feeling, acknowledging maybe the difficulty or whatever it is that you are experiencing. And I think especially in this moment, remembering you're probably not alone. Most people probably feel the same way as we're moving into a new year during such an intense moment. And the last piece, which I really love, is blessing ourselves. Often we bless others. So you can bless yourself with what you need in that moment. And you could say, you know, may I feel safe? May I feel capable? May I feel that what I want is within arm's reach? May I feel loved? Whatever it is that you feel like you need to actually articulate You know, when someone gives you a blessing out loud, it's such a beautiful thing to receive. And to be able to give that to yourself is really empowering. And that's a beautiful way, I think, to close this meditation practice with a blessing. So I invite you on your next in-breath, if you want to place your hands on your chest, whatever feels good to you, to really intentionally think, what do I need right now that I can give myself? And offer yourself that blessing. And when you are ready, I invite you to put your hands together gently and to bring your thumbs to heart center. And to keep your head down for a moment as we close our practice. And I invite you to each set an intention, a kavanah, for the coming week. Maybe it's something you picked up tonight. Maybe it's something that you got over Shabbat. Just set an intention for what you need this coming week. And we'll take a deep breath to seal our practice. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes and lift your head. Thank you, everybody, so much. Um, We usually close the chant, but I know we're a couple minutes over, so I'm happy to end here if we need to close. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.